Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. My name is Colby Dros, and I'm the president founder. Paragon Sports Consulting is a player advising firm helping players of the ages of 14 to 20 navigate their path to college hockey. Today, we've got a special guest, Ryan Papawano from the Brooks Bandits, the head coach, GM. Uh, Ryan played in the WHL, the AJHL, former goaltender, uh, coach Bantam, midget AAA before uh, working with the Brooks Bandits in 2008-9. Um, and in October 2009, he was uh, promoted to being the head coach. Uh, obviously, the Brooks Bandits, uh, a lot of success over the last couple of years, uh, records of 46-10-2. and uh, 57 and three in 2018, 19, 43, 12 and one in 2017, 18. Uh, and Ryan has been coach of the year in, uh, 2012, 13, 2018, 19, two time national champion and, and, uh, five time AJHL, uh, champion as well with his teams. Uh, thanks for coming on here, Ryan. How's it going? I'm doing good, Colby. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, we've been having a lot of really good guests on here learning about leagues and, and junior teams. And um, I guess to just open this up, like talk about your playing career. I mean, it's kind of come full circle. I mean, you, you had a chance to play in a in WHL uh, major junior uh, AJ and, and kind of started in midgets. And, and then obviously your coaching career kind of went the same path and kind of come full circle now with Brooks. Like talk about that, your transition and, and kind of how you ended up in Brooks. Yeah, I mean the playing career was was less than special. I was, uh, for the most part, a a bad backup goalie, just moving around and trying to find a place to play. Um, but yeah, spent some time in in the Western League, spent some time in the Quebec Major Junior League, and then, um, you know, ultimately at at twenty had an injury, uh, didn't uh, didn't recover from it well enough to be able to play, and um, you know, always always loved the game, had nothing really else in my life but the game and, and needed to be back in it as close as I could to playing. So um, took took the pass, started to coach. Um, didn't know if I was going to be any good, if I was going to like it, if I knew what it was all about, but I knew I wanted to try it. Um, and I, I guess I sit here, I don't know what it is, 15, 15 17 years later, still doing it. Um, but the, the start of it, the transition from playing to coaching was, it, it was pretty difficult just, you know, as a player, you're you're the guy in the action, and and you really have an influence on what happens. And then, as a coach, as much as you wanted to influence it, you, you didn't have as much on the game day as you wanted to. So it was it was a lot to learn, um, you know. But in hindsight, I think learned a lot over the years on the things that you definitely want to do, and probably more so the things you don't want to do. Yeah, like I see. I mean, at least from what I've researched, like you excel. You you became a head coach pretty fast at the junior game, right? And you had a lot of success early on. I mean, did you find, I'm sure you had a ton of mentors and guys that were there to kind of guide you and give you advice, but from at the start, was it a lot of trial and error, just kind of seeing what worked, didn't, you know, what kind of pushed the guys, got the most out of them? I mean. Yeah, I think for me, like I started here, uh, you know, with a really experienced coach named Brian Curran. Um, and he played in the NHL, he'd coached pro hockey and, and he was back doing junior here in Alberta. And, uh, to, to spend a year and a little bit working with him, I think that pr- pretty much opened my eyes to the difference between, you know, minor hockey being the midget and bantam level uh, to working as a junior coach every day and a junior general manager. And um, so I think that's probably where I gleaned the most uh, knowledge, at least in the early days. And then it, once it was my opportunity here, it was like you said, a lot of trial and error and do things that I saw other coaches do and, figure out that a lot of it didn't work anymore with a new generation of players and 
um, you know, so work hard to adapt and learn and, and just become uh, the version of myself that I wanted to be and, and not necessarily try and emulate anybody that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and you, you gotta understand like who you're working with. And I think that's big in like the recruiting process and know the kids. Cause like I said, I'm sure I mean, maybe, you know, you guys have that, that mold of kid or, or that, uh, you know, a couple concepts that you guys want or traits and kids, but I mean, every year you could have very different personalities, I'm sure. Yeah, big time. We've had, I mean, we've had teams that as a group of players, group of people, we've, we've absolutely loved. We've had teams that have been really successful on the ice, but as a group of people and players, we haven't necessarily been in love with, and there's been everything on the spectrum. So it's just a lot of managing all the different personalities and doing everything you can to, to get the most out of each group. And, um, you know, it always doesn't go to perfection, but I, I think you're, you're always trying to find a way to, to just get that one last little drop out of every guy. Yeah, yeah, and obviously you guys have uh, found a, a pretty good formula for that. And I think, too, just to touch on, before we dive into Brooks and what it's all about, I mean, just for, for some people, I, I think it's crazy, but for some people out there, like, it's still foreign, the Alberta Junior Hockey League, even the BCHL, these great leagues, and, and I've spent a lot of time out there when I was at Dubuque. Like, can you just give an overview about the Alberta Junior Hockey League, you know, how you describe the league, ages, older? I know there's guys that come right out of midgets, so you have some younger guys, you know, how the divisions are set up and, and kind of the exposure opportunities with that league showcase and whatnot. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's one of the best leagues in Canada, obviously. We're we're a league that's growing in terms of scholarship footprint. I think there's a lot of guys now that are, are doing a lot more for their players and, um you know, the showcase is obviously one piece, but um, a lot of people building better relationships and helping guys move on to the next level. So that's been that's been good for our league, and it hasn't just been the Alberta kids. There's been a lot of outside recruits that have come to the league and been able to move on, and um, I, I think as a league we've done a better job that way. The, the style of play, I, I think it represents the next level very well, where it's uh, – it's a league that has skill and there's a lot of plays that get made and that type of thing. It's fast, but it's still a hard league. There's physicality. There's not a whole lot of time and space. And I think that's pretty reflective of what's going to happen when these guys get to college. So I think it is a good breeding ground, uh, a good place to develop and get ready for the next level. Um, and then the league as a whole, like we play in two divisions, uh, eight teams in each division and, uh, most of our games are within our division, but we do get to go and play the North teams and, and vice versa. They come down to play the South teams. And we, uh, we've we got a footprint that's about 10 hours from us to our furthest team and about an hour and a half to our closest team. So we're all over the province, lots of different buildings, lots of different uh, different people involved. And it's it's a great league. And I think it's a league that's starting to pick up a little bit more steam just in terms of its footprint across North America. Yeah, I think, too, that, I mean, it's pretty competitive. I mean, like I said, I, I think anyone that just turns on fast hockey and sees a Brooks or Okotoks game, like pretty good teams, pretty good competition, some some pretty high-end talent, too. And, and we'll talk more about that as, as the podcast goes on. But we I mean, talk about, too, before we dive into specifics and coaching, like, you know, Brooks, Alberta, like I've been there, um, nice town. Like what? how would you describe it for people that have no clue of what it's all about, community facilities? Yeah. Yeah, like I usually try and equate it to people as it's a small town Texas 
feel uh, in terms of like, you know, you watch all the movies and you see the, the high school football and the Friday night lights and that type of an atmosphere. And we're small. So we have 15,000 people. Uh, we average 10% of our population at every home game. So we're getting 1500 plus at every game. And I think that, that dynamic makes the community pretty interesting. It's, it's a special place, definitely a lot different than most junior centers. Um, and we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. We're two hours from Calgary, an hour from Medicine Hat, and an hour and a half from Lethbridge. So we're, we're kind of nestled right in a, little, uh, in a little area where there's nothing else to do besides watch bandits hockey. And uh, I, I think that's always helped us with our crowds and the support and, and that type of thing. Um, community like I said small town so it's it's nice everybody kind of knows everybody so when you're when you're winning uh it's a great place to be if you do end up losing some games there there's a lot of pressure in town and a lot of questions get asked you which I, I think the guys always find interesting when they become these little mini celebrities overnight um and then you know beyond that the the facilities I think we're we're lucky and, and pretty blessed to have what we've got here the, the centennial regional arena so it's uh it's 10 years old, 1,700 seats, and we've basically got the run of the whole place. We've got a, a gym, video room, players' lounge. Uh, all of our office staff are, are right here working upstairs. We've got facilities downstairs for our players. Um, you know, it's it's pretty full serve. I, I would I would put our facility up against anybody in, in North America for junior hockey, and I think we'd be right there. Yeah, I think, too, which, I mean, uh, the community support, I mean, I've been to some games there, and it's, you guys are full barn, and, and I, I even remember, like, a 50-50 I've never seen in Tier 2. It's some crazy number. You know, I was like, holy smoke. So the support there, I mean, obviously your staff is, is you know, you guys are all in and caring. The community is a part of that. I think, too, last thing uh, before we get into more uh, strategy and philosophy stuff, I mean, what what is a daily schedule look for a Brooks band, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old playing on your team, you know, Monday to Friday, assume you play Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, what does that kind of look like for, for the kids? Yeah, so for us, we're, our guys are here every morning at nine, and basically they've got a full day here until they go home for dinner. So we've got, uh, in the morning, our guys come in, they have breakfast, uh, we get ready for practice, there might be a little bit of video or just a little bit of pre-ice, We'll go on 10:30 to 12:30. That's our practice time every day, and and we'll usually spend the whole two hours, and, and that's broken up between both skill development, uh, team system stuff, and then obviously at the end the guys have some time to themselves. But we we got a little pocket of time after that, basically from 12:30 till about three, where they've got time to do some different community events, work on their classes. Most of our guys are doing online classes. Um, so they've got some obligations there in the afternoon and then everybody's back for three o'clock and we do either a workout or video, uh, with the whole team at three o'clock and, and earlier in the week, it's workouts as we get closer to game days, it, it turns into more video and, um, get away from the, the weightlifting and that type of stuff. But it's, it's a full day. And then our guys are also paired, uh, each of them with a minor hockey team. So two or three nights a week. They're leaving here, they're going home to eat, and they're coming right back, and they're going out uh, as kind of a, a mentor and assistant coach with a minor hockey group. So we uh, we keep the schedules full and, and try and do the best we can to replicate what they're going to see when they get to college. Yeah, I think the structure is a big piece. I mean, there's some junior teams that, I mean, they do a great job, but, you know, there's kind of lax. You go to the rank, and then it's, you're on your own for the day. You know what I mean? And it's kind of doing yeah. what you want. and. I mean, obviously, it leaves leaves uh, a lot of decisions on the kid on what he what he's going to do to better himself, you know. But uh, 
So, I mean, you guys, I mean, I, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I think you're sitting on such a taking over like 600 wins, something crazy like that. I mean, uh, like what, what are some, I guess, the foundation pieces or pillars of that culture of, that has led to all that success? I mean, without giving away, you know, any secrets, but like what, what kind of, what would you hit on that you think is kind of just led to that sustained success every year? I mean, what are some things that is important to you? Yeah, I think the expectations, uh, like you had said before, um, there's a lot of places where maybe the expectations aren't as, as set out or, or followed. And I think here the expectations we have are, are a little extreme at times, but they are what they are. And you're, if you survive and you do well here, it's going to go very well for you as a player and as a person. Um, and we've always had those extreme expectations. So there's, there's a piece there that I think starts to lead our culture. And then just a lot of the, the old school mentality and, and trying to flush that stuff out. So we don't really, we don't talk about rookies. We don't have that, that hierarchy here. It's everybody's doing the same jobs. Everybody's cleaning bathrooms. Everybody's doing a little bit of this and that, and, and just trying to build um, basically an inclusive program where everybody feels like they're a part of it. And um, I, I saw so many, so many things as a player growing up where you felt segregated as a young guy or different people you know, first line guys got treated differently. So we, we've always tried to be inclusive the, the best we could. And um, off ice culture stuff, I, I think that's probably the biggest is just the expectations and, and the inclusivity. And um, on the ice, it's it's just been straight offense. We, we want to score goals. We want to find ways to, if we have to, outscore our problems. Uh, we don't want to, but if we have to. So it's uh, it's been a team that year after year we're, we're pushing offense. We're talking about ways to create. We're using all five guys to create. And, um, you know, day one, that's the first thing we're worried about. Yeah. I think too, like finding kids. I mean, this is my opinion, but finding kids, because if anyone does their research and talks to you and sees the success you guys have had and even advancement, it's like you guys are giving, you know, a, a kid an opportunity to come in there. And if he makes the most of it and does his part, obviously there's never guarantees, you know, with the future, but, I mean, if you put in the work, I mean, there's a good probability it's going to lead to a pretty good opportunity down the road. You know what I mean? You guys are kind of putting everything in place for the kids to come in, work hard, do their part. Um, I mean, as far as development goals, competition, and obviously even you know, putting them in an environment where everyone's kind of has the same, uh, at least outlook, right? They want to all advance. They all want to win. Um, I think that's probably a big part of it. Would you agree? Finding the right kids that understand that opportunity? I, yeah, and I think for us, it even starts with the way that we recruit and um, you know, we're looking for 25 guys that want to play Division One hockey. We're we're not really leaning towards any of the guys that have played major junior or are unsure whether they want to play major junior. We want like-minded people, um, and and I think that's a big part. Is once you've made that decision, especially as a Canadian kid, that you'd like to play college hockey in the U.S. Um, this is a fantastic place to be because you're only going to be with like-minded guys and like you said, to, to set guys up for success, we have everything here to do it. Um, it's not an easy place to play. I, I think it's actually a, a pretty darn hard place to play. And we, we get the best out of the guys that we have. And we've had a pretty good track record, I think, getting guys on to the next level. And then it becomes the same thing for them. If if they can make it happen at the next level, that's completely on them. And, and if they can't, it's probably something within them. And we uh, we just don't like to leave really any excuses on the table. Yeah, like, like talking about that, you know, it's difficult. I mean, it's, you're asking a lot of these kids, and, and there's a big mental side to that. 
I mean, I guess talk about, uh, I'd be curious to hear from you, like adjustment, like you guys are having kids from all over, uh, kids coming from prep school, midget programs, you know, obviously up in Alberta, you know, different programs up there, the hockey academies. I mean, what do you see as the biggest adjustment for some of those kids on the ice? And I guess even off the ice with, you know, they might be going from, you know, doing whatever they want day to day to now being in a pretty structured environment and, and being asked a lot of them. Uh, touch on that. Yeah, there is a lot. I think for the, the off-ice stuff, so many different backgrounds. The the prep school kids, they usually come and they've had a, a fairly regimented schedule. And, and I think those guys, in terms of the off-ice, they step in and they do really well right off the bat. I think it's the guys that play more of the, the traditional midget hockey or maybe come to us from a different junior program. I, I think at times those guys struggle with adapting to the day-to-day, adapting to the expectations and and I've seen guys take six weeks before they really figure it all out. And um, to the point where last year, one of our best players, I think four weeks into it, he would have been happy to play anywhere else because it was a major culture shock to him. It was too hard. By the end, he's the guy that we couldn't get out of the rink and, and tell him to go home and get some rest. So it was kind of an interesting dynamic just to watch his season unfold. Um culminates with a, a division one scholarship for him last summer and and he'll come back this year and be one of our captains and our best players so that that's the the off ice part I, I think the on ice it's a, a lot of the systems a lot of the thinking um face-offs when you start building everything in together I think for a lot of them it becomes overwhelming and we try and overload right at the start put everything on the table um see who's picking it up see who's struggling know where we're at and then know how much we need to scale back and, and what we really can do. But it's, uh, it's probably the biggest adjustment for the guys is, is just the, the tactical thinking on the ice. You think, you know, obviously, I mean, this is my opinion again, but colleges are obviously they're trusting, you know, kids are prepared from your program. I mean, it's just, just look at the facts. I mean, you guys have 15, 16 kids committing every year, uh, maybe more some years, but like, what, would you say, you know, in your in your opinion, uh, you would kind of lean that on the structure, the kind of program you guys are running? I mean, uh, you know, obviously the development model. I mean, why, you know, again, if you had to come up with a collective answer to, for that, you know, from you, what, what would you kind of say why your program maybe is better preparing kids for college maybe than, than the next, you know what I mean? Yeah, honestly, I think just copying everything that we do know about colleges, asking questions, uh, you know, to our our guys at at schools on their daily routines, and you find something that you hear of and you like it, and you just copy it. I know a few years ago, a lot of college guys were telling us they started working out on Sunday mornings, um, and they did it for two reasons. One, to curb a little bit of the Saturday night action, and two so they could give the guys the rest of Sunday and the Monday off and they felt like everybody was more energized they were still getting in a workout and made sense to us so we started you know putting in the Sunday morning workouts and when you put that in and you implement it I think right away guys think they're they're being punished for something they did something wrong why are we working out first thing Sunday morning and it just becomes a cyclical thing where year over year it becomes normal to guys it's part of the culture and you know, we get up and you work out Sunday morning and it's no big deal. So um, I think all those little things, but, but really it's just copying the good things we see with other people. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think too, like, I'd be curious to hear, and, and I want to talk about them a little bit more, but like, I mean, you've obviously had a chance to coach like Cal McCarr. I had a chance to see him play when he was in Brooks. I mean, he was, he was unbelievable, but 
my I'm curious to say, like, you know, you've had a lot of really good players. I mean, this is a compliment. There's good, and there's always guys that are a little bit of step above, you know, and they're maybe you consider them elite. I mean, what do you think separates, you know, the the very good from to the elite in your eyes? I mean, you've coached now many years in Brooks and had tons of players and go to different kind of divisional programs and, and I mean even division three but I mean what would you kind of touch on uh, are those guys doing the little things better the detail you know what what kind of outside of given talent you know what would you kind of put an answer uh, together with yeah I, I think a lot of it is and, and you know pretty soon after you get to work with the guys which guys really truly would put everything on the line to be a hockey player um and then you've got guys that they've got other priorities and, and they're very social and they got other things they like to take care of. And, and there's nothing wrong with it, but there's, there's these, these groups of guys that are these little hockey nerds and all they want to do is anything with hockey. And it'll be, it'll be from the rink to go home, to watch hockey, to see something in a game, to come back the next day and ask, Hey, did you see that game? Did you see this face off? And there's just these guys that all they care about is the game. And they really, they they just really strive for nothing else besides to be a hockey player. And I think with most of the guys that we've had that have been just that cut above, I, I think for the most part, they've just been guys that have, have a one track mind and it's, it's hockey, it's getting better at hockey. It's how do I get to the next level? What can I do? Um, and then you get a lot of really good players, but they've got some other little pieces that they like to take care of. And, and like I said, nothing wrong, but if I had to separate, I think that would probably be it. Yeah, I think, too, like, I'd be interested to hear, you know, obviously, tier two programs across uh, North America all have great players, a lot of Division One guys, but, you know, not every day they have a chance to, to work with someone like Kale McCarr, and, and I know you had Parker Fu, and I I know who, uh, is it Car- Corson Kuhlmans? Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I'd seen him play. I mean, he's, he's a special player, too, but I just curious like you know talk a little bit about their development over time because like I said you know if they're getting something out of a program like Brooks I mean and, and we'll talk that's my next question we'll get into is about they probably could have they, not probably they could have played anywhere they wanted you know but they stuck in Brooks and, and, and maybe touch on like how you know they kind of trended up and, and you know what their experience was like while they were there yeah it's interesting because I think for a guy like Kale I, I think everybody watches him now and just assumes he must have been uh, you know, unbelievably talented when he played here and, and he was good and he was definitely special and he could do some things, but Kale was no different than the rest of the guys. There was, there was warts to his game and there's things he had to work on and he took those things in stride. He worked at him. He got better. Um, and I think by, you know, the late part of his second year with us, you could really start to see all of the special things come out of his game. And, and I also think we did a pretty good job setting him up for offensive success. We tried to put him in, in all the situations where he could use his talents. We, we didn't try and overly stress him defensively because that part of his game at that age, it, it needed work, um, needed development. And so I think he, he was an interesting one because as good as he is now, he was just starting to ramp up kind of his separation from other players when he got here. And, um, his skating, his puck skills, his deception. I think that's all the stuff that made him special. And as he got everything else uh, developed and worked out, he really started to become a, a much better player than, than others. Um, Parker Fu, interesting one, because he he's a guy that got cut from another team in our league and had nowhere to go, really. We got a call from a school asking us if we knew anybody that would take him. Uh, and I kind of laughed. I said, yeah, I, I know someone who will take him. We will. 
and he he came here. He spent two years. I think the second year, if you take the playoffs and everything together, I think he had 50 goals. Um, got drafted by Chicago, and that's a guy that basically fell into our lap and and didn't really have a home. So he's an interesting story himself, just of perseverance and. Um, he, he took some took some bumps on the chin on the way up, but I, I think it all worked out for him well. And then, you know, today we work with Corson Coolmans and, and Corses, same kind of track as Kale, pretty special player, um, different because he's a, a bigger kid and maybe a little bit more well-rounded at this age, but um, just the same kind of stature with the, the under-17, the under-18 for Team Canada. And um I think there's stuff Corson does that's going to keep him right at the top of that 2003 group. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I, your perspective, this would be, it'd be awesome to hear and for other people too, because I think everybody's always sometimes fixated or has to have this uh, linear path and think they need to be here and then here and, and so on. Uh, but even my time, like I said, in the USHL, like we're always looking for guys from other junior leagues and, you know what, like there's always players that we would call and, and they were fine where they were. And I, I'd be interested to hear from you, like, these guys stuck to the process in Brooks. They believed they were developing. They didn't feel the need to, to take a step to a different league, different program. I mean, maybe touch on that, like, and, and how, you know, in your opinion, like, it's okay to stay somewhere you feel confident that you're developing and, and taking strides, and you, know, you don't always need to go somewhere different, you know. Maybe I'd be interested to hear that from you. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. And, like, I, I look at Kale, and he had an opportunity to leave, and um, – you know, I think probably the, the most real opportunity was to go to Fargo in the USHL, and he he didn't pay it too much attention at all. He was, I think in his mind and in his family's mind, he was a Brooks Bandit. He would play here. He would go to UMass, and there was no reason for them to do anything else. Um, you know, same with Parker Fu, and Corson's going to be the same. Uh, we've had others like Dennis Sasana, who's at Michigan State. He had an opportunity, I think, to leave uh, for Lincoln, and yeah, I, I think they're guys that they're, they're treated well while they're here. Uh, they know that they've got opportunities to play big roles. They know the, the important stuff, which is the day-to-day, -day, the video, the practices, the skill practices. They know that that stuff's all taken care of and, and they feel like they're getting better. So I just don't think any of them ever really had a notion that they needed to leave to get something else. Um, where I think a lot of guys are just chasing, you know, who wants me the most today? Um, and, and that's difficult because you don't want to sit and re-recruit your own players. So I think throughout the season, if you do a good enough job, you, you should have all your guys wanting to come back and, and not have to spend your time re-recruiting when you've got other players you need to go out and get. Yeah, I think what gets lost in a lot of this is is uh, everyone's always fixated on exposure leagues, at least, at least in my experience. And uh, they forget about the development, right? And it's like, if you're somewhere where everything's in place and you're happy and you like the experience, it's gonna help you play better, right? I mean, if you're enjoying it, I mean, I'm sure you've even had kids maybe go to different leagues and then they come back because it's just, the grass wasn't greener for them at least, right? And then other kids have done it and probably had success. Um, I guess, you know, touching on that, you know, where, where are you guys getting players? I mean, obviously you guys always have some really good Americans coming in, um, you know, talk about the Canadian recruiting, you know, what's that process like and, and kind of who spearheads that? And, and I guess just talk about it in general. Yeah, for us, recruiting is, uh, I think it's a pretty loose term. It's anybody anywhere uh, that's 16 to 20 that we think makes us better. Uh, good people, good families, 
the location to us means absolutely nothing. Um, you know, I think a few years ago we were pretty criticized in our league because we only had three or four kids from Alberta and that stuff for us is just noise. We're, we're happy working with the kids that we find. And, and so where, where do we find those guys? Um, between myself, our head scout, Wayne Labrie, uh, Dave Chevre, who takes care of Ontario and the Eastern U.S. for us. Uh, we've got Josh Reese, who's in Seattle. Uh, basically, between us, we're, we're just out there looking for anybody and everybody we can, um, using our contacts, obviously working through schools, working through agents and advisors. And I think the main thing is that we're, we're wide open. We don't care how old you are. We don't care where you're from. We don't care what school you're committed to. Um, we just want to know how good you are. Are you a good guy? Um, you know, is your family supportive of you moving to Brooks, Alberta? Do you have a nice transcript? Are you eligible to play Division One hockey? Like all these other pieces that the, the geography means means absolutely nothing. And we've had guys, uh, we got a returning player this year, Devin Phillips, who came to us from the North Carolina Golden Bears of the EHL, which is, you know, I don't like – no disrespect to, to the North Carolina goal, but you know, it's a kind of a, what, what kind of a place? And the coach sent us an email said, Hey, I got a kid. He's a stud. Would you guys look at him? Sure. Why wouldn't we? And, you know, watching that come to fruition two years later now with, uh, with Devin Phillips, like we've got a really, really nice player. He had a really good supportive coach in North Carolina that helped him get an opportunity. And we were happy to be on the receiving end. Yeah. And, and he's a, uh multi-year player for you, right? I mean, he's going to end up playing a couple of years of junior for Brooks, and he's just going to get better every year, I'm sure. So I, I think the important piece to that, too, is, like, you know, there's players everywhere, right? And some teams have yeah, a better job than others finding them, right? And, and, like, this guy, he emailed you, and that's great, but if you guys didn't act on it, then nothing would have transpired, right? So um, I think that's important, too, to remember. And I guess, too, like, you know, you guys do all the recruiting, you're creating relationships. I mean, what kind of advice would you have for kids that are, you know, going through that process? Maybe they have an offer from Brooks and, and they have uh, an offer from the North American Hockey League and maybe a BCHL team. I mean, for someone going through that process, and uh, what would be some advice, you know, for them, you know, in your opinion, um, and how maybe they should approach that and, and take their time or what they should be doing or asking questions? But yeah, I think the big one is is asking questions and making sure that you you truly know who you're going to work with. You know what they've been able to do in terms of player development, um, in terms of player exposure. You know what the team's been able to do, and you, you set yourself up for success instead of chasing what you think looks like the the cool or the sexy option because it's it's obviously not always going to be the best one for you. Um, I think for for a lot of guys, slow the process down. Make sure you've taken your time. You've talked to enough people. Um, you, you've vetted things through as best you possibly can. And, and then in the end, you, you feel like you have a connection with the people you're going to work with every day. And, and that's basically the the coach, the GM, the assistant coaches, and, and that you feel like you've circled all the bases. And if you're comfortable, um, you know, you, you make a decision. But I, I really, I really hate the guys that, are measuring leagues as opposed to measuring programs. I think there's all different kinds of programs in every league. So you can, you know, you can go to whatever league and play for the worst program, or you can go to a league that's maybe a little lesser known and play for the best program and you're probably better off. But, you know, that's maybe just not the dynamic with most people these days. So 
I, I think that's a big one is really worry about the program. No, I think that's, I mean, we've had a couple pretty good coaches on and uh, I mean, it, they, they've all kind of hit on the same thing and they're all from different leagues, like organization, right? Like who's coaching you? Uh, what do they have to offer you development wise? And, and are they going to, you know, do you trust in them, right? Because probably, you know, you're married to that program once you're there. And if you're not enjoying it, I think it goes back to it. Hockey's a big part, but you know, if you're not enjoying the day to day, you're not going to get the most out of it. Uh, so, so yeah, I think too, like, I'd be curious, just, just touch on, you know, I think, you know, like USHL, they have a draft, NA has a tender process, draft uh, process, you know, obviously free agents can make teams. Just for people unfamiliar, you know, what does that player procurement process look like in, in the Alberta League for Brooks as far as our guys signing contracts, letters of intent, you know, what, what does that look like at camps, you know, if, if there's a kid that you guys are interested in or he just shows up as a free agent to try out, what, what do you guys have? Yeah, so for us, starting on January 11th, uh, between Jan 11 and June 1, we can sign players to a letter of intent. And basically what the letter of intent does is it binds us to that player that on June 1st, we're going to enter them into the Hockey Canada Registry as one of our players for the upcoming season. So the, the letter of intent is essentially you're signing a Hockey Canada card. Uh, we just have a, a process where we can get that going a little bit sooner um, between January 11 and June 1. So that, that's the nice part for us. It's a, it's a league that, you know, we've always said it's pro-choice league. Um, you do your research, you figure out where you want to go. There is no draft. You're not going to be pigeonholed to one team you make the decision. Uh, so I think that that's big. And obviously that's going to be similar wherever you are in, in Canada. Um, and, and then, yeah, beyond that, there's in normal years, there's uh, spring camps for us. It's usually younger kids. Uh, you know, we'll do an event in Calgary. We'll do an event in Toronto. And basically, you know, if there's a guy that, that sends us an email, if there's an advisor we hear from, if there's a way to get players together somewhere, we'll get guys together and see as many as we can. And, uh, figure out a way to get ourselves here at the end of August with the smallest number we can. And, and if we can be here in August with 30 guys, I, I think that's fantastic. And we can just start practicing on day one and not worry about the, the old school traditional main camp where we're all, you know, banging each other, playing games and doing these things. Like we'll, we'll just start practicing on day one and getting down to it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, obviously you guys, it's just uh, everything you look at research success after success. And I think, to kind of bring this full circle uh, before we kind of close this, uh, you know, bring this to a conclusion, I'd be curious, like I said, you've, you've set records for wins, most goals scored, you know, least goals given up, uh, advancement records. I mean, what, what's the most rewarding thing uh, for, the, uh, for you out of all this? I'd be curious for people to, to hear that from you as far as, is it the wins? Is it the helping the kids day to day? Is it the college advancement? Is it all of it? You know, go ahead. Yeah, I think day to day, you know, the – Every time you win, I think it, it justifies all the work that you're doing, that your players are doing, that your staff's doing, and, and all, all the wins are nice. Those build up, and those are like your little your little checkpoints and your little check marks that they get you excited. Um, really, in the end, you look back, and, and do the wins mean anything? If, if nobody's advancing and playing Division One, Division Three hockey, I, I don't know that the wins really mean anything, so... I think those are all just the little interim steps, but I, I think the most rewarding part is, you know, the day that a guy gets the offer and talks to his parents and makes the decision and says, Hey, you know what? Just want to let you know, I'm going to commit to school X, Y, Z. Um, I've never seen a kid commit to a school 
and be unhappy about it. So that, that's the day, like the guys are excited, their parents are happy. Um, you know, I, I guess kind of the whole, the whole junior experience is kind of coming to fruition for them. They know where they're going to head next. And that's, that's probably the, the most exciting piece for us. But in the end, it's, it's hoping that every guy that comes to your program, whether you, you have them for a, a month or for five years, that they, they can walk away saying, you know what, we, we respect the work these guys do. They tried to make me a better hockey player. They tried to make us better people. And um, it, it takes a lot of people, a lot of volunteers, a lot of staff. And you, you just hope guys walk away uh, appreciative of what you've been able to put on their plate. Yeah, I think it's it's like a common theme, like find the program where you guys obviously you've been doing this kind of the same recipe year after year, and it's it's given a lot of success. And I think that's a big thing, results. But uh, you guys care, you're doing it for the right reasons. You want good kids, you want kids that understand the opportunity, and it all comes back to if you're you know you guys are recruiting a kid, like do your research, right? And and there's a lot of information on your website, and and you guys I'm sure send the kids, and you know if they can have a chance to visit. It kind of puts things, uh, you know, puts a face to the name kind of thing. So um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing uh, what Brooks is all about, you know, kind of a little bit more than surface level and letting people understand what you guys are doing there. And you guys have obviously had a ton of great players and, and high-end guys come through and got a Division One players. And I kind of just want to give you the last word, anything you want to offer for advice to kids or the recruiting process or, you know, if they want to, if they're interested in Brooks, you know, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think the one thing that I didn't say when it comes to recruiting, I think it's important for for kids, for parents, for everybody to, to call people back. Um, you, you don't know who's going to end up where two years from now, and uh, you're burning bridges that you don't know that you're burning. So call people back, be honest. Um, it's okay to not be interested in somebody's team, uh, but just call them back and pay them the courtesy of telling them that uh, it's it's not for you. And that, I think, goes for, for junior hockey, goes for college hockey, goes for wherever. Just just return people's calls and texts. Um, we've gone through that with our players, and that probably makes me uh, – that gets me more upset than anything is when a guy can't return a call to a school. Um, so that's that's one. And I, I think the other part for me is if uh, – you know what, if, you, if you're interested in playing in Brooks, it's a place that's hard to play. Uh, it's it's not a sexy location. We don't have a nice movie theater, or a big mall, or anything cool like that. But if you if you like to watch video, you like to practice, you like to train, uh, you, you want to put wins underneath you, and and eventually you want to play Division One hockey. It's it's probably a, a place you might want to look up. Yeah, I think the the calling people back. I mean, I even hit on that with with my kids. It's like the coach that's recruiting <laughs> now, even if it's junior level. I mean, two, three years from now, wherever you end up playing juniors, I mean, that guy could be coaching college, coaching wherever. And, you know, that just leaves a, a maybe a red X on, on your profile. You know what I mean? So that's great advice. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I appreciate it. And, I, and, like I said, I really appreciate the time. Um, and, and, like I said, good luck this year. Hopefully everything opens up for normal. Um, and, like I said, I'll be following you and, be in and I'll be in touch. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and uh, happy to do – stuff like this anytime. Thanks again for everyone joining us. Uh, this has been another episode of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. Uh, please follow us uh, at our website, paragonsportsconsulting.com uh, or across social media platforms at Paragon Athlete. Uh, that's at Paragon Athlete, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, we'll, we'll have another episode out uh, next week. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.